You are Locked On Padres. Your daily San Diego Padres podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Greetings, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another edition of the Lockdown Padres Podcast, which is part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day for Monday, September 19th. As always, I am your host with sometimes occasionally, but certainly not always the most, Javier Reyes. You might be familiar with some of my baseball-related work at the website Just, Just Baseball. That's right, Just Baseball. Really great website. You could check that out. You could also check me out on Twitter at Javapeno, J-A-V-I-I-P-E-N-O, or at L-O underscore Padres for exclusive Padres commentary and brilliant thoughts. Thoughts. I mean, I, I mean, really, like, it's just next-gen stats on that account. You know what I mean? Just absolutely great stuff. No, 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 no. It's not dumb, ridiculous jokes that occasionally teeter on being horny for the other players. No, 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 it's not that. It's just hardcore analysis. You know, ace of stats, they call me. Over at Lockdown Padres, guys. Uh, but no, in all seriousness, on today's episode, we are talking this past weekend's Diamondbacks Padres series. Give me my thoughts on it. And what is seriously like, you know, I've been a little bit weird with my episode schedule lately, uh, but we're going all in now because the Padres is, it's the thick of the wild card race. And that's what makes this series and basically every series from here on out especially important, right? Especially in these upcoming games. You saw. I was rooting hard for the Yankees this weekend because they were playing the Brewers, who are basically, as of right now, the primary competition for the Padres when it comes to squeaking into um, the postseason. Currently, as of right now, the standings are as follows. The Padres, thanks to their lovely 81-66 and record, which is very juicy when you look at it, uh, they are currently in possession of that second wild card, which is very good. Philadelphia is holding the third. And then you've got the Brewers, who are now three games behind. They have 78 wins. And then you've got the Giants all the way back. So it's basically just between those teams. It's not that crazy of a wild card race. It's basically just three of these four teams are making it, right? If the Mets lose the division lead, it'll be the Braves, and then the Mets will be in one of those spots because the Mets are really good. They have 93 wins. Um, So the Mets will definitely be... Um, in the postseason, probably in some form or another. And then it's between those three of four teams, Atlanta, San Diego, Philadelphia, and Milwaukee. Personally, I have talked many times about how much I hate the Milwaukee Brewers because I feel as though they're a team in which they like to pat themselves on the back for making some really smart trades, then never actually spending any money when they really should be spending money, and they just kick the can down the road and continually settle for mediocrity for a team that hasn't been in the World Series in 40,000 years, right? So that's my big issue with them, and I really do believe them making the playoffs would actually just be boring because that team is not a bad team by any stretch, but once they get into the player in the playoffs, that two-home-run-happy lineup... Uh, like flawed power type of guys, you know what I mean? Like your Yelich's, your really Adamas, your Hunter Renfro, former Padre, right? That team's going to put up like three runs in four games, right? Like they're just going to go in there, put up three runs, and it'll be over because it's always been like that. And then Yelich will somehow be the final strikeout. So here's hoping that it's our beloved San Diego Padres. But thanks to this weekend series, man, I mean, they looked pretty good. They looked pretty good. And I think this series, the best way to describe it is just the rotation came out and the rotation showed you of the potential upside of this Padres team in the playoffs. I still think this is a good Padres team, and I think that comparing them to just how they've played the Dodgers isn't the best way to go about things. I understand 
that they have a below uh, 500 record against teams that are above 500. They haven't been great against winning teams. But a big part of that is because the Dodgers are quite good and they've had to face them a lot. So it's not like they're it's the struggles against the Dodgers are exclusive to the Padres, right? But what I think we saw this weekend, um, especially after the, what was it, the Friday game, um, is that, or after the Thursday game in which they lost, I think what you saw this weekend was that top three can be really dynamite for the Padres. And if that is the case, then the struggles of Mania, the struggles of Mike Clevenger, the struggles of whoever else is in that back spot, right? Whoever it is that it can be amended if you have Blake Snell, you Darvish, and Joe Musgrove pitching the way they did this past weekend. Let's start with talking about yesterday's game, in which the Padres won by a lovely score of 6-1. to one. It saw Mr. Yu Darvish just absolutely phenomenal again. And in fact, he hadn't really given up a hit until later in the game when some really bogus calls. Go check out the Lockdown Padres Twitter feed. Kevin AC put out a picture of just the strike zone calls and what were called balls for you Darvish and it was clearly all pitches that at worst were fringe strikes and it happened like four times it's like so that's that's ridiculous but overall six innings no earned runs only one hit only one walk and eight strikeouts the combination of a not stellar strikeout rate but a good strikeout rate it's actually been better um as the season has gone along which is really exciting for you Darvish combined with the control is what has made Darvish so great, right? So he is a guy that will give up some big contact, may even give up some home runs to especially experienced and well, you know, trained and expertise hitters. But more importantly is, yes, I know that strikeout artists can make you nervous, right? They can give up a lot of runs sometimes that he doesn't generate weak contact, right? If you pull up his savant, he's still, you Darvish still gives up a lot of hard contact, but he's lasting longer into games. He is so consistent. The last time you Darvish didn't go more than five innings, I mean, it was it was in July. It was in June. The guy always goes deep into the games, and that's why, as of right now, he's probably the guy who's going to be the wild card starter for this team. And I love Musgrove, and I wouldn't hate them if they do use Musgrove. Um, but just in terms of the name value, right? And I, I tweeted this yesterday from the account. You Darvish is a great reminder of why... You bet on guys who have done it before. You Darvish is a big name. He's not necessarily as good as he used to be, say, at the height of his Texas days and what have you. But this is why you don't bet against them, um, because they figure things out. They can bounce back to being stars like they were before. We see it all the time in this game. It's so tempting to jump on whatever's new and what's hit, but sometimes the old dog does learn new tricks. In this case, Darvish, I think, making up for his age and a little bit of a dwindling strikeout rate. It's 25% this year, which isn't bad, which is good, actually. It used to, it was at 22% before, so he's really been uh, just stepping up big in the waning moments of this season. But it's showing you that you can't write people off. Last year's sticky stuff thing, maybe it was an injury issue, right? He did have a back issue and whatnot that was plaguing him a little bit. I guess it was plaguing him a lot because he's been really awesome this year, and I cannot stress enough. I would put up Yu Darvish against nearly any other other team's number one starter in the National League. Right, don't get me wrong. Uh, your Jacob DeGroms, your Max Scherzers, right? Those guys are awesome. They're great. But if it's just a mano-a-mano, I feel really good about you, Darvish, going up against nearly any number one ace in the league, even if they aren't. Ne- he isn't necessarily better. And that's what's so exciting. So be excited, everybody, and also be excited that Juan Soto had a pretty decent weekend uh, in this game going three for four, with two RBIs, a double, and a home run. Again, 
he's been really frustrating in the fact that, yes, he's still taking walks. His on-base percentage is still like 380 for the Padres, but the fact that he's not really hitting the ball, it has gotten to the point where it's like, yeah, well, the walks don't matter if you're never going to drive in any runs, and they need him to do that. And it is certainly too early, but it is a little frustrating, and I understand why Padres fans have been a little bit annoyed um, by the lack of superstar production from Juan Soto because he hasn't delivered on superstar. He's delivered on good. Um, especially considering that his defense has been very, very poor. So hopefully this is a sign of him finally turning things up. I don't know. Oh, and Manny Machado also hit a home run. I, I don't feel like I should bring that up only because, like, duh, right? And uh, Jose Azokar, one for four in this game with double. Why am I pointing that out? Well, ladies and gentlemen, before we get into that, let me tell you, everybody, ladies and gentlemen, of a really great website that you need to check out. I've talked about it before, man. And guess what? If you're watching the YouTube thing, I got a special old thing for you at the bottom. Woo, you see the ticker? Woo, it's all fancy. It's pretty cool, huh? That's right. BetOnline.net, everybody. It is your number one source for all your pro and college football betting needs and sports info this season. I know if you're listening, you probably are a football fanatic degenerate like myself. And let me tell you, uh, BetOnline has you covered with all that stuff, guys. Game matchup, news, podcasts. They have the... Whatever games are happening on Sunday, they got you the Thursday games, the Monday night games, the... I assume they're going to do Wednesday night games at some point. You know how greedy the NFL is? They'll have you covered, though, I bet online. I promise you. They got you all the odds and sports wagering information, and they've also got, you know, eSports. They've got baseball, obviously. They've got NBA stuff. They're going to have racing stuff. Everything. They got you covered. Covered. Covered at bet online, ladies and gentlemen. Head to the website today or use your mobile device. To learn more about the trends and action, bet online where the game starts. Let's keep moving, though, ladies and gentlemen. Let's keep moving. Let's talk about Saturday's game. Saturday's game. It was a tight one. The Padres didn't score a lot in this game. Two to nothing victory, though, for the Padres, and it was thanks to the man that, you know, I, I made fun of a little bit, a tiny bit. Not made fun of. That's not true. I didn't make fun of him. But I brought up, hey, Musgrove, ever since the contract extension, has not been that great. What does he do? He finally steps up. His first great start, in my opinion, in a while. Uh, in fact, it's, let me see, I'm actually looking. Ever since the contract extension, yeah, I mean, the, the start against the Nationals was pretty good. But it was also the Nationals. Six innings, zero runs, four hits, zero walks, which was great, and eight strikeouts. There we go, Cotton Eye Joe. Is he back? Well, I hope so. And one of the things for Joe Musgrove for me has been all year is that I think what we learned was he definitely, like, I don't want to say, like, overperformed because I think that's a little bit harsh. I think it's more that he was going to be due for a light regression, not a regression of, say, you know, uh, I can't think of a player who's the... Anyone remember J.P. Crawford at the beginning of the year for the Mariners? By any chance, if you're listening to this, maybe you're a fantasy fan, he started off as like the number one shortstop in baseball for the year, and you knew regression was coming hard. Instead, I view Musgrove as a guy who, look, he doesn't pitch very hard. Um, he's not a guy who throws 98 miles an hour. He's a guy that he toys with you, right? He's throwing those curveballs to strikeout hitters, and when it's working, it's great. Can hitters also take that curveball deep sometimes? Absolutely. Sometimes it hangs up in the zone, and sometimes hitters can just take it really hard, but... 
overall Musgrove makes up for the lack of velocity in the fact that his spin rate is very good um, on his fastball and he has an amazing repertoire of pitches. He generated 12 whiffs in this game, which was nice, and four of them coming from his four-seam fastball, four from his slider, and one from that little changeup of his. Cutter was working, slider was working, everything looked pretty good. I even liked that he threw in a couple sinkers there just for good measure or what have you, and a few curveballs in there as well, nine in fact. Uh, and, and don't take this as just a, oh, it's the D-backs. The D-backs aren't that bad of a team. They've still got some decent players, like your Cattell Marte. You've got Christian Walker, who is an absolute beast when it comes to power. He had two home runs in the Thursday game against the Padres, if I'm not mistaken. Let me check that really quickly. Uh, Christian Walker had... No, he didn't, actually. When the heck did he have two home runs, then? Am I wilding? Guys, am I crazy? What's going on here? Didn't Christian Walker have two home runs against us? Yes, okay, it was in the other game that we haven't gotten to yet. Sorry, that was in Friday's game. Back to Saturday's game. Um, So Musgrove was great, and they really needed him to be great because Zach Gallen was the pitcher for the Dimebacks. Anyone not paying attention, uh, you know, last week did a crossover by Buddy Miller Thomas. We talked about the best former Padres and Dimebacks. We did a draft of them. Zach Gallen is involved in one of the most even-sided trades we've ever seen, really. <laughs> At least this decade of baseball, where they traded away Jazz Chisholm, but they got Zach Gallen. This year, he was rocking a 2.5 ERA heading into the contest. And even still, with the Padres winning, they still only got two runs off of him. Perhaps he was just due for a poor start, um, but he's he's a good pitcher. So Musgrove had to be good, and he was good, and that's what I like to see. Again, this is the upside of the Padres, is that they're top three. Snell, Musgrove, Darvish can compete with almost anybody, and we'll see what happens. Anything can happen in the postseason. For example, I think that there are some teams that you question that a little bit. Are we sure the Cardinals starters can do that? Now, they are the Cardinals, and it is Adam Wainwright we're talking about here, but it's possible that you're, you know, Flaherty, Jordan Montgomery, Wainwright. I, I, I don't know. We'll have to see. I will say about the Cardinals, the problem is that their defense is so good, so they can maybe inflate some of the starters' uh, numbers that they have there. But not to rag on too many other teams, I really do think that this trio is is awesome and is definitely one to be reckoned with. Um, also in this game, the RBIs, I might as well mention, from the Padres come from a Hassan Kim uh, sacrifice fly and Luis Campuzano hitting a home run. Ladies and gentlemen, may, do I have your permission to spread the propaganda? Luis Campuzano. I have to. I've already mentioned before his numbers in AAA. Uh, in AAA, by the way. In AAA, and again, I am not a super prospect analyst. I am not going to be able to give you the unbelievable of why, what's going to translate to Major League and not, what the batting stance is. But just in terms of his AAA numbers and the fact that this is a guy that has been treated before as the future of the Padres at the catching position. Again, just a reminder, for AAA, uh, this year, 298, 363, 483 slash line. And then the year before that, 295, 365, 541 slash line. That's pretty good. That's good for an OPS of 900. And his OPS this year is 846. For a catcher, by the way, is key. Now, here's the thing. Is it true that he's not necessarily doing amazing right now? Of course not. He's batting 241 with a 258 on base and a 379 slugging. Slugging is interesting, though. That's nice to note. But it's 11 games. I And, by the way, those 11 games have been interspread and just kind of all over the place. The playing time for Luis Campizano has been just all over the place, and that's one thing that I don't like 
about the Campisano stuff. I need to emphasize, and I wrote this in my Jorge Alfaro piece for Just Baseball, I am not saying that Luis Campisano is better than Alfaro and Austin Nola. I'm just saying the Padres, the way they've acted, they are acting as if they definitively know he isn't. And that's weird. He's still super duper young, ladies and gentlemen. I do not understand why a player like this, who is officially the best prospect in your system after you made that giant trade, right? You make that giant trade. He's aged. He's 23 years old. Why is he not getting some some more bats behind the plate? It's not like Austin Nola is a pitch frame specialist. He's in like the bottom 20th percentile there. He can't frame. He can't throw runners out. Runners are always running on him. Is this just a thing where they are holding a little bit too much reverence for their starting pitchers and saying, you know what, Campy's Island doesn't know how to catch them right now? That's my only explanation. They could be saying, you know what, next year when maybe we don't have Nola, when we don't have Jorge Alfaro, and Campizano is just straight up going to be our starting catcher, maybe again, I don't know for sure, maybe they're saying we would rather use the offseason and we'd rather him work with the pitchers. That way they're more comfortable because the pitchers are the strength of the team. That's the only... I guess, counter I could have for that, right? It's the only counter, and it's the only thing that makes sense for why Campizano isn't playing, because Asanola isn't a great defender. He's certainly not a great hitter. Alfaro, we love him, but he's not incredible. He does make up for it, though, because of his athleticism, and he's certainly a better hitter than Asanola. And, again, with the athleticism, with the speed and the game-winning shots, hits that he's had, we love Jorge Alfaro. But you're telling me Luis Campizano can't be behind in front of one of those two? Asanola or him? That's what I don't get. And for a team that hasn't been collapsing, but for a team that's in a tight race, you'd think that they wouldn't be trotting Austin Nola out there. Of course, naturally, I understand he homered in Friday's game, which we're going to get into in a moment. But again, I just don't, I don't like how much they, I don't like how they're using him. I really don't. I'd rather him be down right now. Send him down to like, I'd rather him be down at the Myers if you're just going to randomly put him into the lineup sometimes. I just think it's weird. I think it's a weird process. Like you guys were all in. On bringing up C.J. Abrams, and don't get me wrong, great ceiling C.J. Abrams has higher than Luis Campuzano, obviously. But you guys are ready to do that, and that kid's like 19 years old. He can't even buy a beer. I'm just kidding. I don't know how old C.J. Abrams is. What is he? 21? I forgot how old C.J. Abrams. I think he's 21. Let me see. Yeah, he's 21 exactly. Which is which is like that. That's my thing, right? Like you guys were so ready to put him in there. You're so ready to put all these other prospects, but oh no, no, not, not Campuzano. I assume it is for the reasons that I mentioned, and that is that they want to spend the offseason, get Luis Campizano more acquainted to the pitchers because that is the strength of their team. I think that that can be some flawed logic. I think that bottom line is if if Austin Nola isn't hitting, you got to take him out of the lineup and just get things to work because then if not, then have Alfaro as the primary catcher. You know what I'm saying? Like have Alfaro as the primary catcher. That's what I would do and say, all right, and then Campizano's number two. I could live with that, but number three, I don't quite get that. I don't quite get that at all. And there's another thing I don't quite get about this Padres lineup, which I have even more beef with, arguably, than Luis Campizano. But before we get into that, ladies and gentlemen, before we get into that, just a second to have some water. I gotta have some water. I'm thirsty. <sighs> okay. All right. Let's get back into this, guys. Firstly, I think I already kind of... Uh, there's not much to talk about with Thursday's game. Uh, the Padres were miserable against a pitcher once again making his Major League debut. Drew Jamison, seven innings, no earned runs, five Ks. Manaya actually pitched okay. 
And of course, the offense doesn't support him. Five innings, two run runs, no walks, three Ks. Padres lost four nothing. Uh, look, what do you want from me? Uh, it was, it was all Diamondbacks. You got a Cattell Marte homer, Carson Kelly, Emmanuel Rivera, and a Christian Walker RBI. I, there's nothing that really happened that game. What I do want to point out is the Padres are very hilariously bad for some reason against Pod, uh, Diamondback starting pitchers who just started off. Tyler Gilbert last year, nine innings, zero hits. Yeah, no hitter, 5Ks. Ryan Nelson from not too long ago, seven innings, four hits, zero earned runs, 7Ks. And then Drew Jameson in this one, seven innings, like I said, no earned runs, only two hits and 5Ks. Thankfully, they did hit Mr. Ryan Nelson in Saturday's game, which we're going to talk about right now, ladies and gentlemen. Saturday's game was delightful, absolutely delightful. Or was it Saturday's game? Why am I? Friday's game. I am just jumping all over the place. I don't remember what happened this weekend. The Padres won this one by an immaculate score of 12 to 3. It was lovely. And Mr. Blake Snell. I mean, I mean, it's just... I mean, Blake Snell. I, he's just... He really has just turned things around. He really has. And I, I've talked all podcasts about the dynamite trio they have. I, I just... It makes me so happy seeing him just kind of succeed. Right? Because he's such a fun interview. I don't know if everybody caught him on the interview that uh, Don and Mud were doing in Friday's... Can I, like, get my, my damn thing? Sa- it was in Saturday's game, because he pitched on Friday, where he was talking about ice cream, and then I think Musgrove tried to, like, splash some water on him, and he was like, nah, man, I'm protected. Like, I, you always stay strapped. Like, <laughs> you gotta be protected in this case. I thought that was hilarious, and it was very enjoyable. Bl- Snell is just so likable. that Even when he hasn't been pitching well, I've, I've always enjoyed hearing that dude. He's just... He's, like, so silly. He's He's odd. He's an oddball. In this game, not the most dynamite performance in terms of getting whiffs. Only 10 on the night. But forcing fastball slider combo was working really well. And every time he uses just those two pitches specifically, he seems to have more success. And in this game, he absolutely did. Um, seven innings, only one earned run. No walks, which is great. Seven Ks. Again, Snell has been really great in the second half. Like, awesome in the second half. And he deserves a lot of credit. Adrian Morajon gets in there. Craig Stammen ends up giving up two runs. But it doesn't matter because the Padres' offensive palooza took place, ladies and gentlemen. Let me just recap what happened. In the top of the first, he's back. Brandon Drury comes back and he hits a two-run home run to start things off, which was lovely. And no surprise was off of the bum known as Madison Bumgarner. Uh, Long-time listeners know I am no fan of Mr. Madison Bumgarner. Go Google his comments after... Um, Victor Robles hit a home run off of him just for a small idea of why I hate him. And then because I made fun of him early that day, Austin Hill hits a solo shot. Then we get another one from uh, Brandon Jury making it 4-0. Christian Walker ends up getting a home run in this game too. He ends up getting two, uh, but it doesn't matter. Soto gets an RBI single. Jake Cronworth gets an RBI single. Austin Hill gets a sack one. Jose Azokar. Juan Soto gets a double. And then Hassan Kim, just to put the little cherry on top, he gets a homer too. Um, I want to talk about Jose Azokar. He gets three hits in this game, two RBIs. Um, here's my thing. 279, 326, 364 slash line. Doesn't hit for a lot of power, as you can see. You know, just whatsoever, which isn't great. I wish that there was a little more, more pop there. But, but, I think that while Trent Grisham certainly has power in his bat, right? He certainly does. Um, on the year, 354 slugging. 
right? Especially when you when you take into account that he's got a 189 average. That's that shows you, right? He's got 17 home runs on the year. The problem is, <laughs> the problem is, Trent Grisham is still hitting below 200. I don't care what his power is. This is not fantasy baseball in 2014 when there was just a total lack of power in all of baseball. So you're like, screw it. I got to start Chris Davis, even though he's hitting 190 because he might give me 25 bombs. This is not that. I do not understand why the Padres have been. I've already talked about Campisano. I think Azokar is another one, too. And I don't think this kid is going to be the super outfielder that's going to save our season or anything like that. I just don't get why, if he's able to play center field, why Grisham has seemingly just been automatically guaranteed at bats. It's like the it's almost like the Padres figured out, you know what? It's not like your JBJ. It's not like your Willie Mays. You can't be guaranteed spots in center field just because you're a, a pretty okay defender, right? I've never understood why the Padres have kind of treated it that way. I think part of it was because they just genuinely didn't have a lot of outfield depth and that they didn't want to call up any of their prospects too early. But with Grisham, it's just, don't get me wrong, a good defender. Outs above average. He's been great. He's got a good jump. That's why they play him. I'm not saying they shouldn't play him at all. But considering the offense, considering his overall F4, I, I, I just, I wonder a little bit, like, why is, why don't, let's let's give Ozokar a little bit more of a chance. That's my thing, right? And again, I understand that Trent Grisham, he's annoying. He can't make like the big plays in center field, but because of his speed out there, he can be a really good defensive player sometimes. So my thing is give Jose Azokar some time in terms of just jump on the ball. If you want to check baseball savant, he's in the 94th percentile in that. So maybe he has potential to at least be okay in the outfield. And with his bat, that's clearly been better than Trent Grisham. He's worth putting out there more instead of continually allowing Grisham to get more at-bats. That's just how I kind of feel about it. In 2022, he has 404 at-bats, man, compared to Jose Azokar, who, as of right now, 165 at-bats. Too much of a pair, like, uh, too much of a discrepancy there. I don't get that. Hopefully the Padres might be learning. You know what? We tried it with Grisham, and we have to just admit uh, this isn't working. Is that what's going on right now? Is, is Is that why Austin Nola... And Trent Grisham are in. Are they just reluctant to admit maybe we made a mistake and it's not going to work right now or maybe ever, right? Maybe they're wondering, we really traded Ty France for Austin Nola. No, no, no. We, we definitely saw some. Maybe they're just unwilling to admit the, the, the error in their ways, right? It's totally possible. Totally possible. But what do I know, right? And then same thing for Trent Grisham. Don't get me wrong. Eric Lauer, thankfully, doesn't seem to have evolved into the starter that he looked like. He was going to evolve into. I mean, early on in the year, it looked like he was not going to be amazing, but like a really capable number three. And when you take into account that they gave that up for Trent Grisham, not great. I know he's on the IL right now, you know, but still, uh, Eric Lauer and Luis Urias not turning into amazing players. I get that. But bottom line is uh, Grisham has just not worked out. And it almost feels like they've been trying to uh, like defend their choice, right? And say, no, we're okay. Like, we're okay. We, we, we could, Grisham can turn into something. Give Ozokar a chance. Maybe he can be a decent outfielder. And especially with how horrid Grisham's bat is in, is right now, I think for sure Jose Ozokar deserves more chances. I, I really do. Because at least you feel like, all right, maybe this guy can get us some singles. I know he's not going to hit home runs. But in theory, isn't that what the other guys are for? Right? Like, Josh Bell should hit some home runs. Brandon Drury's hit a bunch of them. Soto, Machado. Like, you just got to hope that those guys give you some pop. 
right? I know, I know it stinks, but if you're hitting that low batting average wise and you're not walking to the point where you're on base is 340, it's not. It's still below 300. You got to give Azokar a chance. That's my vibe, and I think you saw this weekend that he could be an effective player if they gave him a chance. So come on, Melvin. Come on, San Diego. What are you doing? Give my boy Jose a chance. Jose, can you see? Oh, man. I'm in a weird mood. Uh, but yeah, guys, that basically does it for my thoughts on this weekend series, the trinity of pitching, why the Padres aren't certain certain players. Had to rant about all of that. Going to be continuing my rants this week, talking about Padres underrated or underperforming players and what's going on, whether or not it's legit and whatnot. Josh Hader seems to be kind of bouncing back a little bit. He picked up a save this weekend. Forgot to mention. Um, but tomorrow's podcast, going to be doing a crossover with my guy, J.D. My guy, J.D. Over at the Locked On Cardinals podcast, going to talk about this upcoming and very vitally important series against the Cardinals. Don't get me wrong, every series is important, but especially against a very good team in the Cardinals, that should be a lot of fun. So, going to be talking to him and doing a good old crossover. It's been a while since I did one of those. Not really. I actually did one pretty recently. But for a, uh, just a good old, like, divisional, like, we're facing each other crossover, I feel like it's been a while since I've done one of those. But I've been blabbering around way too much, everybody. Go enjoy your football games tonight. We get double Monday Night Football uh, games tonight, so I imagine you might be looking forward to that as much as me. Good luck, everybody. And as always... That about does it for today's edition of the Lockdown Padres podcast, the only pod that may be better than the Padres themselves. Remember to subscribe wherever you get your pods from. Let's get the YouTube numbers up. Follow me on Twitter, of course, and all my silly jokes at Javapeno, J-A-V-I-I-P-E-N-O, and at L-O underscore Padres. And until next time, stay safe, and of course, stay faithful. My Friday faithful homies, take care.